You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. Well, what our job is to do is to introduce everybody to the truths of God's Word that will lift them out of despair and draw them closer to Jesus. And then let the Holy Spirit do the convicting. And let the Holy Spirit do the convincing. And let the Holy Spirit do the changing. Right? We can't change anybody. And we're certainly not going to convince them to draw closer to God by being condescending. Right? Or by being a Pharisee about it. Right? You've probably heard the saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Well, this principle is definitely true for people as well especially when it comes to spiritual things. In today's message, Pastor Gary shares that your job is to introduce people to the goodness and grace of Jesus. And you do this by using your words to share God's love and truth as He leads you. You can't force them to accept it or to change. You just have to do your part and let the Holy Spirit handle the rest. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Proverbs chapter 18, As he continues his message, what you say is what you get. Ultimately, words become controlling. So whatever you believe is what you're going to act upon. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Being alone. You don't just say you believe something. You live on what you say you believe. Amen? Don't tell me what you believe. Show me what you believe, right? Many people make choices, such as uh, professing, a lot of professing believers say, this is just an example, I'm not picking on anybody, but this is just a very relevant truth in our church world today. Many people are under the belief that involvement in the local church assembly is no longer a requirement to their spiritual growth and development. They believe that... They can be as good a Christian as anybody else and never darken the doors of a church building. Where did they get that belief system from? Did they get that from the Word of God? Or did they get that from something else? I want you to think about This is just an example. We could give you many examples. I don't have time to. But somehow or another, something has slipped into their mindset, some, some set of words that they either heard or developed based upon their own personal preference, and they have preached to themselves and convinced themselves, and now they're under control of a set of words that do not adequately represent the truth and heart of God. And you can believe it or not, but words are controlling. So be careful the words that you allow into your belief system. Amen? The first thing you need to know about the, the controlling effects of words is this. The right set of words will guide someone down the path of life, peace, and joy in the Lord. Amen? Here's your scripture for it. Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen? But not only that, the wrong set of words will lead someone down the path of destruction. The wrong set of words. Here's a scripture for it. 2 Timothy 3, 6. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive. Notice the phrase right there. Lead captive, silly women laden with sins, led away with divers or different lusts. Verse 7 says, ever learning and ever able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
Interesting verse right there. Verse number 6 shows us that they're being led captive. Verse number 7 says, even though they're being led captive, they're always learning, but they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So here we have controlling words where Satan is making sure that none of the right set of words of truth enter into the mind or heart of this individual so that he can maintain control over them. People think that words, you know, you ever heard the expression, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That is one of the biggest lies ever told humanity. If you don't think words can hurt you, do you realize that the superpowers of this world today use words and propaganda more than anything to control nations, to control governments, and try to control you and me? Words are our most powerful asset in the kingdom of God. And why is it that we use words less than we do anything? Amen. Listen, we need, if anything, to break out of the box with the Word of God, not keep it concealed and closed and hid behind closed doors. Amen. Well, I believe, preacher, if I'll just live right before them, they'll want want to learn all about my Jesus. Well, let me ask you a question. How many people have come to you, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Spiritual, and asked you how to get to Jesus based on your uh, lifestyle? Anybody? Any takers? Amen. It's not just your lifestyle. It's the Word of God. We need to be willing to share the fact that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to properly represent Him. If you say that you're a child of the King, then communicate like a child of the King. Don't be condescending. Don't be cruel or rude or, or, or spiteful or hateful, amen, or, or pharisaical, but be uplifting and encouraging. Yes, speak the truth, but speak it in love, amen? Because words are controlling, and even we ourselves as born-again believers could be found guilty of being used as a tool of Satan to control others with the wrong set of words. If you don't believe me, remember when uh, Jesus looked straight at Peter in his eyeballs and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Because of what Peter was saying, Peter was not speaking truth. He was letting the devil use him as a mouthpiece. And so, uh, was Jesus saying that Peter himself was Satan? No. He was addressing that spirit under whose influence Peter allowed himself to become controlled by at that moment. And see, what the devil wants to do is use you as a mouthpiece for him. And he's so sly and so slick. He'll have you saying things and thinking you're right and deceiving you and using your words to control people negatively, or to divert the subject, to keep people away from the subject of the gospel. Amen. The devil don't mind you hanging out with people and talking to them about anything in the world as long as you don't bring up Jesus. Amen. And uh, how many of you have been, uh, I know I have, went to visit somebody, and it was so easy to talk about the weather. It was so easy to talk about the ball game. It was so easy to talk about that car they just bought. You could talk about anything and spend all day long, and then when it comes right down to bringing Jesus up, you get tense. So, oh, Lord, I'm nervous. I don't know how to bring it up, what to say. You ever been there? That's because words are controlling, and Satan's whispering lies into your mind to try to control your actions to keep your tongue from speaking truth. Amen. So we need to understand 
that uh, people don't just need to be educated. They need to be enlightened and illuminated by the Word of God. You see, the Word of God doesn't just educate, it illuminates. It brings truth to an otherwise hopeless and dark situation, and it brings life where there is darkness and death. And so what you say is what you get. Now, point number three I want to do is close with this one. Words are also convincing. This affects the soul of men. This really affects, uh, it can go so far as to affect where people will spend their eternity. Amen? I want my words to point people to Jesus. I don't want to be the one guilty of withholding vital information that might negatively affect someone's eternal destiny. Or, at the very least, might negatively affect how much hope they live with or without in this life before they meet Jesus. Amen? Words are convincing. The right set of words can convince someone of his or her need for God. Amen? And uh, Titus 1.9 illustrates that. It says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. You see, God wants us to become students of his word and to take that word and to be able to exhort and to convince others of their need for God. Not only the people that are lost that need to receive Christ, but what if we used our words to exhort, that is encourage and lift up and convince Christians that may be weaker in the faith to draw closer and to draw nearer and to get more involved. Amen? So many times the church is guilty of kicking people while they're down instead of speaking life into them to bring them and elevate them a little bit. Amen. And we don't want to, we don't want to use our words. Uh, to, you know, sometimes we act like the judge. Judge not that you be not judged, the Bible says. And there's two, two forms of judging in the Bible. Can I give this to you quickly? There's judging, which is discerning right from wrong. And then there is judging, which is placing a final verdict upon. Only God in heaven places the final verdict on anybody. So when the Bible says judge not, he's saying don't be God in their lives. You don't know where they're going to end up with God. You don't know what God's doing in their heart. You don't know what God has planned for them. So don't dare play God in their life and make a final verdict over them. Well, there's no hope for that person. Well, I guess they don't love Jesus or they'd have been at church yesterday. Shut your mouth and quit acting like God in their life. You don't know what's going on in their life. Can I get an amen, church? Right? So discernment is discerning truth from error, discerning right from wrong, discerning or judging, making a judgment call based on a situation, looking into a situation where if you don't know the answers, the Bible says he that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame to him. So if I'm properly discerned and I don't know all the information, I better just keep my mouth shut. And if I can't speak something good in their life, I don't need to say anything at all because I'm certainly not the one who knows all. Amen. So we can't just prematurely make conclusions because we're not God. God knows all the facts and God knows all the truth. Well, what our job is to do is to introduce everybody to the truths of God's word that will lift them out of despair and draw them closer to Jesus. And then let the Holy Spirit do the convicting and let the Holy Spirit do the convincing and let the Holy Spirit do the changing.
right? We can't change anybody, and we're certainly not going to convince them to draw closer to God by being condescending, right? Or by being a Pharisee about it, right? And so uh, we've got to be able to exhort and convince them with the truth of God's Word. That word exhort is a big word. I wish I had more time to develop it. But that's basically lifting up, picking people up when they're down. And s- instead of telling them what they already know, that they messed up. You reckon they already knew that before you said, told them, genius? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself as well. Amen. We do it sometimes. When somebody has made a mistake, when somebody has sinned, when somebody has failed, that's not the time to investigate and to interrogate and to intimidate. That's the time to exhort, pour oil into their wounds, put bandages on them, nurse them back to health, tell them you love them, you're praying for them, you're supporting them, and using the Word of God and the hope of the Gospel to tell them there's hope for tomorrow and your, uh, and your mistake does not define you. That was a moment. That wasn't a person. Amen. And you build them up and say, look, you can overcome this. You can be better tomorrow than you were yesterday. You don't have to let this define you. And you speak life into them and you exhort them even when they're down and especially when they're down. Amen. And so also I want to say this, the wrong set of words can convince someone that he or she is okay without God. Look at this. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You know, a lot of people believe they're okay either because they were told the wrong thing about God or they wasn't told anything about God at all it would probably shock us how many people right here in this community have never darkened the doors of a church and have no clue about who Jesus is or what he came for and I want you to think about that do our words are they hid to the lost and are they hid because the devil's trying to blind their minds or are they hid because we never told them to start with The devil ain't the only one hiding the gospel. God help us to expose to this world as much as possible the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why I will make no apologies for every effort I make to broadcast the gospel through any means necessary. It's because everybody needs to hear about Jesus. I wish I could... I wish I could have the whole world for an audience, but since I don't have the whole world, I'll take what I get. Amen? And I'll encourage you to do the same so that God can use us all to, to declare the gospel, to declare the hope of the word to this lost and dying world. So again, what you say is what you get. In review, words are creative. Words are controlling. Words are convincing. Be careful how you use them. Amen, church? And so here's my concluding thoughts. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 17, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So remember this, words are like seeds. Whether they're life-giving or death-giving, they both reap a harvest. They both have effect. Amen? 
And once you say it, you may have been sorry that you said it, but you may never be able to take that seed out of the ground. You know, you, you've heard the expression, no need in crying over spilt milk. Well, the wrong set of words is not like spilt milk. Right? The spilt milk don't grow anything, but words grow life or death. So you better be careful how you sow, right? And this is something that you need to remember. Just as important as knowing what to say is knowing what not to say. I want to say it this way. Just because it may be true don't mean that you have to say it in that moment. And I've been around people, and you have too, and I've been that person at one point in my life. And if God, the Holy Spirit, don't knock me upside the head, sometimes I'm still able to do this. Sometimes I'll say things when it's not my turn to say them. When it's not my time to say them. And maybe that God wants somebody else to say it to them at a different time, a different place, when their heart's more receptive. Well, I spoke the truth. But just because it's the truth don't necessarily mean it was your job to speak it to him. That's why we started out with a word fitly spoken. The right word at the wrong time can produce a lot of damage in somebody's heart. You want Bible for it? Let me remind you of what Jesus told. And I, and I, I refer to this often in my preaching because it's a fundamental principle that's shaping who I am as God's servant. And I think it should shape all of us. He said to his disciples once, I have many things to teach you, but right now you're not able to receive them. So even Jesus didn't speak all truth to his disciples at all times. He chose the moments at which he knew their hearts were ready to be able to receive. And that's why only the Holy Spirit knows if and when we should approach someone. Uh, I, I appreciate some of you I've already had conversations with who choose the right moments and pray for the right moments to speak for the Lord in other, other people's lives. Very wise of you. Amen? Because uh, the Holy Spirit will let you know if and when it's time to speak, right? But sometimes we'd be better off to keep quiet until the Lord says, okay, now they're approachable. Now you can minister to them. I found that this is a, a very important principle, especially if you just got in a heated debate with somebody or you're having conflict in relationships. Uh, conflict resolution is never brought about by contention and strife. The Bible says uh, that grievous words stir up anger, right? A soft answer turneth away wrath. Grievous words stir up anger. That means that if you're, if you're going to speak right now and you're going to be grievous when you speak it, then that's not the time to speak. Wait till you cooled off. Or better yet, wait till they're cooled off. Amen? And then when you can speak softly, tone of voice makes a big difference. This is good relationship advice. Amen? You husbands, you know better than to call your wife and raise your voice at her. Amen, men? Praise God. You don't want to do that. Because uh, you will find that you will be met with equal and greater force. <laughs> uh, that doesn't help. And that's, that's an example. But uh, just because somebody needs to be, well, praise God, I told them. Well, did you do it in the spirit of love or was you just mad? Be honest, as a pastor, I got to keep my own spirit in check sometimes because I get heated about some things sometimes. Y'all know I'm an emotional uh, preacher. If I'm not careful, uh, my emotional man can take over my spirit man. 
And I can be mad about something, and I might be approaching it biblically, but I might have the wrong attitude about it. You remember Moses? God said, speak to the rock, but he smote the rock. He communicated the message, but he didn't do it the way God told him to do it because he had a bad attitude. He forfeited going into the promised land. You see, so timing is everything. It's not just important to know what to say, but sometimes we've got to, Lord, if I speak right now, I will sin, so help me not to say a word. <laughs> Amen. First uh, Peter 3.10, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. Who knew words could be so powerful? God did. Amen. For when, for the time, you ought to be teachers. Hebrews 5.12 teaches us this. When you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, or the things that God has spoken. And are become such as have need of milk, not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. That tells me that you can be speaking the truth, but being unskilled with it. You may be saying the right things in the wrong spirit, making pro- improper application to profound truth. Amen. So you got to get on the meat, right? Be, the Bible says strong meat belongs to them that are full age. That's why it's wise if, if you think somebody needs to be addressed in the church and, and you're a new convert in Christ, take it, hey, look, take it to the pastor and or the deacons and never, never accuse anybody of that two or three witnesses. Amen. Somebody say amen right there. But if you think somebody needs to be addressed and you're a newborn babe in Christ or if you feel like you don't know enough Bible, uh, leave it to somebody that's been in the Word and that's led by the Spirit. Amen. It says, but strong meat belongs to them that are full age, even to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That tells you, and uh, did you see that? Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. That tells you that the experienced ones have better discernment. That's why the Bible says lay the hands suddenly on nobody. Don't ordain anybody just quickly, just because they just up and got saved and they look like a go-getter for God. Don't just throw them out there to the wolves yet. They need to be trained. They need to have some time and experience. Amen? And, and that's one of the things we've got to be careful with with new converts that get saved and they're on fire for God. We want to fan their flame, but we don't want them to run and zeal without knowledge. We want to equip them with proper knowledge, and we don't want to rob their zeal in the process. So if we can have a good balance of both zeal and knowledge, then we'll be skillful with the Word, right? And so this is what serving God properly with our mouth looks like. You ready for it? Say amen. Here it is. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto how many men? Does that mean that there are some people that are exceptions that we can be a little bit rougher with? based on their personality, based upon their demeanor, based upon their attitude, based upon whether they're saved or lost or right or wrong. Are we gentle to just some people or everybody? There you go. Able to teach, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing in in meekness. They may say amen. In meekness, quiet, humble spirit, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God... Peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. That's how we properly serve God with our words. Amen. So what you say is 
what you get. Careful how you say it. Amen. Father, thank you for the word. We bless your name. We pray that you'd help us to live by these principles. That you'd help us to be careful with our tongues, for they are in a wet place where they are easy to slip. May you be glorified in everything that we both do and say. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle. If you enjoyed today's message, we invite you to subscribe to True North on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to share these with your friends and family, too. This could be a great way to start a conversation about Christ and study the Word together. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like to request prayer, please get in touch with Pastor Gary by emailing contact at garycuddle.com. That's contact at Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L dot com. True North is a ministry of Gary Cottle Ministries. You can find out more by visiting our website, garycuddle.com. Would you like to come worship with Pastor Gary? Simply visit GaryCuddle.com for more details on where he pastors and how you can plan a visit. If you're not in the area, we still encourage you to find a local church body where you can learn from God's Word and spend time with other believers. It will be a place for you to grow in faith, find support, and serve in ways you are uniquely designed to. With that, our time with you has come to a close today. Join Pastor Gary next time for more right here on True North.